one of the scenes in, in Kolchak that I loved, but it just made me laugh because of how over the top it was, is when yeah. uh, the vampire comes out of the hospital and yes. like the entire police department is <laughs> <Yeah>. there. <laughs> Just when you think, wow, that's like everybody's there. Another car shows up, and then there's another guy who runs mm-hmm. in. This is like all of a sudden it's the Blues Brothers. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> let's record a podcast where we talk about stuff. Sure. Yes. Well, let's let's introduce our our very first guest ever. That's right. What on prodigious saps, Mr. John Campbell. Hello, everybody. Yes. Finally. For those- Yes, finally. <laughs> yeah. For those of the initiated, Chad and John don't know each other. This is like a, a secret uh, date. Worlds colliding, right? Yeah, worlds colliding. But uh, John and I have been doing a podcast since the pandemic. Campbell and Jones meet the monsters, which is us. What What is it you always say? You have such a nice intro. It's, what uh, is it? We're charting we're, we're the legacies. Charting the legacy, the cinematic legacy of the classic monsters. Oh, so very nice. At your Dracula, Frankenstein, Wolfman, uh, yep. Phantom of the Opera, and Gilman. Invisible Man. Invisible Man, too. And the, the very, I was going to say, the very underrepresented Gilman. He's very unrepresented, the Gilman. We just don't have a lot. But uh, we started with the Universal films of the 30s in the pandemic, and we did a movie a week, and we're now up to the 2000s. I know. <laughs> it's, it's crazy to think about. Because, yeah, it just started with you and I sort of being bored with nothing to do in the pandemic and we had both bought on some kind of lightning sale the yeah, blu-ray box for the universal monster movies and we said mm-hmm. what if we just started doing one of these a week that'll keep us sane and then we got through those faster than you'd think and then we're yep. like let's do the hammer monsters we'll just we'll just keep going with hammer and then we got through all the hammer movies and then we're like let's just start charting them through time so then we just jumped to the 1970s and then we did the yep. 80s 90s and now we're in the middle of recording the 2000s we're like and watch how i'm about to segue into something chad and i have talked about recently the 70s as john can attest uh and i can attest because i lived through it was rife with weirdly tv movies became a big thing especially for like the monsters and things they they went to tv a lot and one of our favorites one of our absolute favorites which should be everybody's, was the TV movie The Night Stalker. Which begat a second TV movie, The Night Strangler, and then a one-season show, which was actually very influential, even though its its merits are debatable, but Shack The Night Stalker, which we also did a short podcast because there's only 27 episodes where we yeah. were in and out. Or is it yeah, just 20 yeah, we, episodes? It's I always just say 20. It's just 20. They yeah. got their order cut because of low ratings. So actually, they That's just right. got held back down to 20 episodes. Yeah. Uh, I, I think The Night Stalker is not only the best of those 70s TV movies, but it's possibly the best made for TV, like made for network TV movie. I'm not including like stuff that HBO has made. But that I mean, it's such high production for a tell it's so much better than and it's it smart yeah it's much it's better smart. than it should be it's so well written it's so well directed mm-hmm. and acted and now over. now we find out if chad did his homework <laughs> we tell yeah we were chatting about this before you jumped on uh yeah. i did watch the night stock crazy the movie he was just talking about mm-hmm. uh, i finished watching it this afternoon actually oh okay and i started trying to watch one of the episodes from the show <laughs> uh Moss- and then the, oh, uh, the Spanish, Spanish Moss, Moss Murders. I got a little ways into that. That's one yeah. of the best ones. That's right. Yeah, that's are, what Brendan said. Yeah, there are probably... What, what did we say? We did, we figured this There's out. There's like on, three maybe really great ones. And there's really Horror in the ones. Heights, then, Spanish Moss Murders. 
And I think at that point, the vampire, it's the vampire, right? I like the vampire. I also like the zombie. Yeah. But no, there's, there's so I'm many. I'm a big bad fan of the werewolf one, ones. even though the makeup doesn't hold together. I, oh think my the, God. I think the werewolf episode is very fun though. It's a werewolf loose on a cruise ship. And that yeah. is just a crazy idea that I love. Chad, if you ever get a chance to watch that one, just be prepared. It is a man with cotton balls glued to his face that they have liberally applied some, some shoe That's- polish. But, on, and you're like, wow, watch out for the scary werewolf. <laughs> and this is, this is, if you listen to Meet the Monsters, you know, this would be the standard defense. I would have something. You get Kolchak stalking this thing with a shotgun on the, like, I just, I, it's, it's I know. so cool. It's, I, the, I like it. The only thing that's let down really is that makeup because the whole idea of the singles cruise and 70s TV icon Dick Gautier being his, like, swinging roommate. Dick Gautier, who we covered recently, Chad, because he was Robin Hood in, as everyone kept saying, when things were rotten, because I kept saying when times were times rotten. Were rot. <laughs> right. and everyone First person to correct message, you, of course, was Robin. Of course it was. <laughs> oh, uh, but it, And I knew it was when things were rotten. It's just that that got stuck in my head, and I just kept saying it. And then, of course, everyone in the message boards, Hey, by the way, our listeners, I do appreciate you guys letting us know when we've messed up. But damn, cut an old man a break. It's hilarious. I haven't seen that since I was like eight. So calm down. Anyway, People um, cannot resist correcting uh, people yes. on YouTube. It's hilarious. No, of course not. No, and TikTok. Not. Yeah. <laughs> so Chad. I mean, same on my podcast. Too. Did, did, yeah. you, uh, did you recall um, when you watched The Night Stalker and part of that episode, did you recall any of that from the time or had you never watched that before? No, I think I did have, I had seen it and I don't, it was probably in reruns, I would imagine, because I think mm-hmm. it was probably too young to be watching that kind of stuff when I was, yes, yes. when it was originally running. But, uh, yeah, I totally remember that. I, I've seen Darren, you know, Darren McGavin, I, I recognize his face because he's been of in, course. in he's a god shows. Yeah. yeah. Uh, to use your your number, Brendan. I mean, is eight probably, million still your number? By the way, is eight million is still my number. My go to yeah. comedy number is always eight million. I was going to say people <laughs> probably most know him. Is probably most iconic thing is the father in a Christmas story, right? Yes, say? Darren McGavin. Oh, yeah. Okay, I yeah, could exactly. Be most remembered as yeah. Okay, yeah. Among it's many a prestigious movies. award. <laughs> I mean, he, it is an, an amazing performance in that movie. He's incredible in it. Oh, he could do it all, and like, I mean, even in the worst, he, he was could do those... hard bitten stuff. But he was he had such a good comic touch. He was just a character actor it's, to end well, all character actors. Well, yeah, we love guys. The, our favorite guys on the Monsters podcast, and now we're doing a whole show about Vincent Price because he's one of these guys. Is we love guys who are always great even when the material isn't those are our yeah, favorite because actors. even the bad episodes of Kolshak the night stalker darren mcgavin is is batting for the yeah there is always he's we great. always we would uh, one of the things we did on our night stalker shows we always had our favorite like Kolchak one-liner or zinger or oh, like yeah. in a phrase because even in the worst episodes there was something he said that was just like oh we just got that guy somehow you mm-hmm. know zing yeah. um so did you enjoy it chad yeah yeah i did and it was John already mentioned how how well written it was, and that was the mm-hmm. the thing that was sinking into me as it went along. Just, I mean, on top of the fact that Darren again just just sells the whole thing because of his performance is so authentic, and I don't know if the right word authentic. Just no, he's got I, so I, much I, integrity in his performance. I mean, he is Kolchak. You know, even though he thing. could he could be seen as maybe a clownish character, and the people in that world 
see him as possibly a clownish character because he's running around in an outdated seersucker suit and he's got the straw hat and all that stuff. And they're like, Jesus, man, he's definitely not <laughs> the, the swingingest dude of the 1970s. But at the same time, as you said, he's got this crazy integrity the whole way through. Yeah. And uh, I love always in every kind of fiction and and film and TV shows, I love relatable human heroes. The last person you'd expect to save us all is that guy. I love yeah. that stuff. Just like when we were talking about war games uh, a couple of times back with, with uh, you, Chad. And it is a thing where I love when it's like, who's going to save us? That guy? I love that stuff. And, and Kolshak is, you know. He's the original Sculler and uh, Scully and Mulder, the Sculler, the Sculler. Yeah. No, I was going to say the thing. The thing I love about it is the put upon nature of it too. He's not a guy out seeking to stop stuff, but it's sort of like I fi- like particularly starting that movie. It's like I found this vampire who is a threat to the world. No one else is going to believe me, so I guess I have to destroy it. Yeah, then. that's what I love. It's like it's sort of like no one's no one believes me, and I've tried mm-hmm. to tell the proper authorities they don't believe me. They think I'm crazy, so. I don't want to. Take- I guess I'll go stake this guy in his place in Las Vegas. He's not a Van Helsing where it's like his sacred charge to do battle against evil. It's more like, well, I tried to tell the proper authorities, and they're not listening, and that thing has to be stopped. Like, but he has such he just a moral wanted a byline. Like, yeah, yeah. to cover it, but it's like if no one else. We we did talk about as the show goes on. It it is because it's the seventies TV and continuity isn't really a thing you do start to go like, well, every episode he seems to stumble into these things. And one thing you in particular, Brennan, always brought up is why does he never question why why are these things always coming right. to him? I, I mean, in, in modern shows, like uh, like in the 90s, when Chad and I were hanging out a lot and watching stuff, like we would get together with our friends and yeah, I'll give Dwight a shout out. Hey, Dwight, how you doing? Uh, when we'd like, when we'd watch stuff like Twin Peaks or we'd watch, we watched X-Files together a lot. And one of the smartest things about X-Files was Chris Carter taking the Shack template and then saying, let me smarten it up by giving them a reason and also giving them continuity to where they're like, I mean, it did stretch it very thin where Scully forever is like, well, I'm not really saying that this is supernatural or not really saying that was alien. You're like, okay, lady, you're just, you're delusional at this point. Literally been abducted by aliens and experimented on. But at least it was a thing where, where they weren't, uh, hitting the reset button episode to episode, which is what they did in the seventies where Kolshak is never going like, are you kidding me? A werewolf? I've already dealt with vampires. There was a zombie. What do you? Oh, what is this? Why is every, it me? Every, once, every, every once in a while, there'd be like a brief kernel of a mention. One of the reasons I like that vampire episode from the show. Yeah, is it's a direct tie-in. It's a direct sequel. That was going to be my question. Yeah, the yeah, it's 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 one of his victims from one the, of Jano Scorzini, the vampire from the TV movie. One of his victims is now is coming vampire. to L.A. Yeah, yeah she's a vampire, thing. and apparently she was one of Scorzini's victims that no one had known about. So she shows up in L.A., and yeah, Kolshak puts those pieces together, and and he stops her. So it is sort of, it's a sequel. Wish there had been more stuff like that, yeah. Yeah, I'd love that. Because the no, only thing is you get Vincenzo occasionally going like, is this another one of your wacky, weird stories, Kolshak? The only thing that is established is that he stumbles onto the supernatural, and people are aware of that. But yeah, it does... Yeah. I think we also talk about it. at a certain point, Vincenzo should just be like, 
Let me guess. It's a zombie. (laughs) (laughs) What is it now? A gill man? I hear they're underrepresented. They never had a gill man on the show, but they did have that reptile that lived underneath the city. That's true. They did. Now, when you say Gilman, I assume you're talking about the creature of the Black Lagoon. We are absolutely right? Black Lagoon. Yeah, who, who affectionately named the Gilman, who had Gilman. one good yeah. movie. He had, <laughs> I don't think I don't think a franchise has taken a steeper dive in film history than that first to second creature from Black Lagoon. The first <laughs> it's absolutely one, true. First one's great. Still holds up. Such an incredible piece of monster filmmaking. Second one, utter garbage, and yeah. then the third one somehow even worse. Even worse, <laughs> the creature walks among us is one of the most embarrassing things I've ever Horrible seen. Film. A truly atrocious. <laughs> and I've seen childhood films of myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> I got it a dig. Zing, zing, zing. Anyway, um, I'm so glad that you got to to visit that because it is a favorite of John and mine. Uh, uh, and Kolchak, the character, is. One of my faves of all time. Oh, I I totally can see why. And there there are two threads. Well, there's several several things that that struck me as funny when I was watching it, and I had to run it back to watch the last couple of scenes because I was wondering what happened to the victim that's in the house. They don't oh. even mention her in the wrap up at the end. Like, what did the, what did the cops do with her? Because they 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 forced his his fiance or his girlfriend to leave town because she was an undesirable yep. element. Yes, but i guess because she knew what was going on or something or she was one of the people who who had knowledge of the you know, uh, yeah the rea- because Colshack had spilled the what happened to his victim he was still alive when the oh she wasn't still alive oh oh the one and that was the, the blood the bank oh yeah, the, yeah. the girl that was the blood bank yeah You're, that's a good point i yeah. don't think that's ever dealt with Shelly forbes Loose thread. She's still alive, and she's she's like, okay, I'll be quiet, whatever. Chad, you the- know something? You've given me an idea for like <laughs> fan fiction or a sequel. I love it. Thank you. I, I, thought, I was going to ask, was she the one who showed up? That would have made sense. No, no, yeah, that would have made that sense. No, they probably couldn't get the same actress. But- yeah, but they just invented a would character that back then, though. <laughs> yeah, Holshack's coming back in style. <laughs> But that was the other funny thing too. Is like his girlfriend Gail just leaves town because she's asked to. She's like, "Okay, bye." Yeah. <laughs> like, what? I think. I mean, I think that it's, was kind of. I don't think reason. asked to. I think it's forced mm-hmm. to, obviously, and I think it's one of those things like you have to leave by sundown. So I, I, I think it's a, a tragic ending, actually. Well, but I would have loved, and yes. Uh, even back in the late '80s, I had a Kolshak sequel in mind. Sad that I, you had mentioned this, yeah. But the whole thing was that Kolshak had an illegitimate son he never knew about. That was Gail Foster's kid. Since that he didn't, uh, she never hooked back up with him wherever she went. So the kid ends up finding old man Kolshak in the asylum. It's a whole thing. But uh, that was a story idea I had because, yeah, the Gail Foster thread is totally left open. Like, she just went away. And and you get Carl just sitting there going, I put uh, ads in all the papers in this whole area, just, you know, asking her to find me. There was no way to find her otherwise, right? So uh, Back in the day, certainly not. That's something else I like about so sad. the end of that the end of that movie specifically, but just and Kolchak in general, and I think that continues very much with the character of Mulder on the X Files, is these guys who uh they're they're made more heroic by the fact that their pursuit of the truth costs them nothing but pain. They say this cat shaft is a bad mother. Shut your mouth. I'm talking about shaft. Right? They, yeah, these are exactly. Who, they are never rewarded. In fact, it only makes their lives harder, but they can't stop. I did not. 
there is a compulsion in them for truth and justice, right? In this sort of way about like, people need to know this and it's not okay. And even if that's like the Spider-Man me, paradigm. Yep. yep. Wealth and fame, he's ignored. Action yep. is his reward. Hey, there. There goes the Spider-Man. <laughs> it's it's all right there in that theme song. Do you need anything? It really is. Is he strong? Oh, listen, bud. He's got radioactive blood. That's my favorite part of the song is the bud in the lyrics. Yeah, is but. he strong? Listen, bud. Yeah. He is probably going to have to go into a hospital because he has radioactive blood. That voice is so <laughs> 60 Stanley writing. I was like, listen. Oh, boy. yeah. Hey, bud. Yeah. yeah. Hey, oh, bud. is he strong? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> He catches thieves just like flies. Yeah, it has the vibe of those old 60s Spider-Man comics. I love that <laughs> shit. Anyway, so, uh, yes, Kolchak the Night Stalker, that's another thing. Since we are, you know, prodigious apps, we are now the Nostalgia Channel. Um, welcome <laughs> yeah. to We've us been tagged by our own, our own listeners, yeah. We've nice. been hoisted on our own petard. And That's right. I never <laughs> Did you guys like a season three of Petard? I really liked Petard. it. <laughs> <laughs> Probably my favorite captain, Captain Petard. You know, one, of, one of the scenes in, in Kolchak that really made me, that I loved, but it just made me laugh because of how almost over the top it was, is when yeah. uh, the vampire comes out of the hospital and yes. like the entire police department is yeah. there and they're like more it's like right just when you think wow that's like everybody's there another car shows up and then there's another guy who runs mm-hmm. in and it reminded me it was like this is like the, all of a sudden it's the blues brothers yes, yeah? yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I, it's hilarious use of unnecessary violence in the apprehension of the blues brothers has been approved this happens a lot on the show too where like the police are just pumping round after round into this guy and there's Carl Kolchak right in amongst them with his camera. And they're just that, unloading their weapons. And he's just stabbed. That happens like in every episode of the show, too. Vitally well, deadly situation. One, one thing when you watch the all the episodes, you see that they, they did take their lessons perhaps a little too closely from the... Because the TV <laughs> movie was a huge success, which yeah, is I, why it became a it series. It held the record, I believe. As for, the most uh, watched, highest rated... TV movie. Uh, TV movie in history decades like, for yeah, a long time huge, yeah but the whole thing is the the writers of the tv show are like going oh yeah we got to have the scene with all the cops <laughs> and i do love the idea that kolshak i mean yeah he's a he's a good reporter and he has lots of friends and like the morgue and the hospital and so forth but he knows okay the the blood bank is being hit here's on the police radio i just love the fact that kolshak can show up while these things are still happening it's not like after he's got the fastest car in vegas because he's like boom because he's there when scores he walks out going what you guys (laughs) caught on that i was robbing the blood bank is it because i'm dressed like an orderly (laughs) and then he just runs past him like well i do like Just like yeah. tossing guys around too, like he's just so yeah. powerful. I, oh, I, I do uh, like that, and I love the scene where yeah. they chase him into like uh, the suburb, and it's mm-hmm. all those cops, and they're shooting at him for m- million years, and he's just jumping over fences, and they're fighting around that pool, and I'm like, something Ooh. I love in, in monster movies too, where it's like, how many times do you have to shoot the thing before yeah. you realize, okay, the gun isn't working? Like, <laughs> oh, even better question, yeah. Even yeah. better question, why does any thief in Metropolis, A, yep. thieve in Metropolis, or B, bother with a gun? 
Yeah. Bother with a gun. After two weeks of Superman being in existence and people knowing he existed, why is anyone using a gun at all? They should just go, okay, and put it down. (laughs) We took our (laughs) shot. We knew this would happen. You do feel like if a guy with Superman's power was around, crime in Metropolis would be done. Done. They would go to Gotham. They're like, I got a better chance with a guy who's got no powers, even though he's a badass. But still, well, I always talk about though the problem. The 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 downside of the Gotham thing is Superman will fly you to prison. Batman will paralyze you for life. So <laughs> yeah. it's like, it's like you have a better chance of getting away with it. But the consequence of getting caught is so much worse in Gotham. <laughs> Maybe you're stuck with the guy who's like the god, but he's really yeah. nice, and he it's tells like- you. You should clean up your act. Yeah, it's like okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna walk away from it at least. <laughs> yeah, Batman won't kill you, but he'll make you wish you were dead. Like, yeah, you'll <laughs> be on life. But, uh, uh, yes, I know what you're about to bring up though. Adventures of Superman, Chad. When you were a kid, did you watch a lot of that too in reruns? The original series, yeah, or the original series, yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I did. I mean, and of course, it's so crazy dated. I really like the first season, though, when it's actually trying to be kind of gritty, which yeah. is weird. But I love the fact that in that show, they go bang, bang, bang. And he's like, nope, not feeling the thing. And then the crook will throw the gun at Superman and Superman will dodge. I'm like, oh, shit. It's like, I think it's because George Reeves is like, that's a real gun. Don't throw yeah. that at me. <laughs> it is sort of like the bullets won't hurt me, but that could leave a nasty welt. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, that is one of my favorite. That shouldn't be in the show. They should have never done the gun throwing thing because it, you no. just think about it later and you're like, that's stupid. Anyway. Also, I loved any time he, when it would turn to the rubber gun and he would bend the yes. barrel. Right. Oh, I love him bending one, barrels. Once One shot, it's a clearly a real gun. And then in the next cut, it's now the fakest looking gun you've ever seen. I like the the episodes when it was a chocolate gun and he just goes. That's right. Nom, nom, nom. (laughs) Not even a thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was famous in the old show for saying not not even a thing. That was his big deal. (laughs) Shot you with a bazooka. (laughs) Not even a thing. Not even a thing. <laughs> so uh I only saw this recently. I never I don't think I really knew about this until recently, but I haven't seen it. Uh Hollywood Land. Oh where, yeah. Oh yeah, you never saw it? Ben Affleck playing George Reed. Yeah. It's a good movie. Is it like is it good? Movie. I like yeah. it a lot, yeah. Yeah. It yes. It's a, it's solid. It's a tragic story it's not- with them. Very tragic. Very tragic. Yeah. And it's based on a book called Hollywood Kryptonite, which is what the movie was going to be called. And I, I've read Hollywood Kryptonite. It's a book that posits that he did not commit suicide, that there was actually basically uh, a conspiracy of sorts. There's, there's a lot out. of weird stuff about the crime scene of his suicide. I mean, like, yeah, there's always- and I mean, the people were downstairs and he went upstairs feeling all right. And then suddenly, but also his girlfriend was married to Eddie Mannix, who was one of the uh, Hollywood fixers. Yep. One of the guys who worked for the studio for well, decades. If you've, seen, uh, if you've seen Hail Caesar, the the oh, yeah. Brothers movie, uh, uh, Josh Boland plays Eddie Mannix in that. Yeah, but basically, Eddie Mannix was the guy that the studios would have intimidate people in the press. He was basically like a mobster. Like, don't let out that uh, you know uh, Catherine Hepburn likes the ladies, or we're gonna have a problem. Okay, if this shows up in your scandal rag. 
you will not have legs. So essentially the idea of all the people that George Reeves could have had an affair with, uh, and for many years, it probably would have been best if it had not been Eddie Mannix's wife. Mm -hmm. So he was quite possibly murdered. And that's the movie really is frames it in sort of this film noir bent with Adrian Brody as a private investigator who's sort of putting the clues of this together. And then we're getting the flashbacks to Ben Affleck as George Reeves. People love to show those pictures and go, Ben Affleck's the only person who plays Superman and Batman, right? Oh, I never really thought about that. Also, people love to bring up that Diane Lane plays the woman he's having an affair with. Yes. Diane Lane played uh, Martha. Martha Did you say Martha? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Lovely. Hold on. I, I saw Back a meme. Somebody had put a picture of them uh, in bed together from that movie, and then it was the Superman and Batman facing off. Like, you slept with my mom. <laughs> Did you sleep with my mom? Um, I, I like the fact when. Do you remember when the movie Speechless came out in the eighties? Yeah. And all I could think was, oh my Mr. god, Miller. that's just Christopher Reeve and and our good Michael friend Keaton? Michael Keaton. So it's Superman and Batman in a movie together. Did you ever get a tattoo? Yeah, once. Where? Maui. And they're battling mm. over Gina Davis. Which you would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the original Batman v Superman. That was what it was originally about. They both wanted to get with Gina Davis. Uh, what did the judge <laughs> decide in that legal battle? Who ended up with Gina Davis? You have a lip tattoo. A lip tattoo? Brief change in, in subject here. Uh, we Uh-oh. had a fan ask us, and I haven't found this where to watch this yet. I'm probably going to have to wind up buying it. Uh, John, do you remember the, or ever, have you ever seen the, oh, uh, don't the even 1980s? Ask that. Uh, miniseries based on Ray Bradbury's The Martian Chronicles. Yeah, with Rock Hudson. With Rock Hudson, <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. I uh, yes, as Brandon will tell you, but I do have the Blu-ray set of it. Yeah, I yeah, do. Have it. Yes, one of our one of our uh, listeners said you should do a show on that. And I, I'd need to get a copy of it because I haven't seen it's, it in years. I mean, like I would have to revisit. But here's where I'm going to land before rewatching, and yeah. this is unfair because I'm admitting I haven't seen this since it aired. Right. Mm-hmm. I found it so boring. I found it so <laughs> yeah, boring. I, I I like it, but it is of its time, of course, like a lot of stuff. I do love Rock Hudson. Um, I feel like you often have that with uh, some sci-fi stuff, though, Brendan. Well, Maybe. no, that's true. But in the case of Bradbury, uh, uh, his stuff is poetic and lyrical, and it works on the page. I haven't seen too many adaptations of Bradbury filmically that that translate that. I went to go see, you know, Something Wicked This Way Comes when it came out. And sure. that was the first thing I ever saw Jonathan Price in as Mr. Dark. And he's Which, uh, he leaves an impression. He was great. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm sitting there going like, yeah, I, I don't know. No, I, I'd I'm rather not, read this. And like- Martian Chronicles is very heady and it's not yeah. real like... What what I ex- was excited for, Martian Chronicles, I'm sitting there going, yeah, man, sci-fi, space, fighting Martians. And no, there are Martians in it, but man, they're not what you were hoping for. I'm not, I'm not going to say like it's amazing, <laughs> but I do think it's it, they, they were trying something, and I think it succeeds in, in a lot of ways, and uh, I, I, I enjoy it. But it well, is as a grown person, I may... Your may, expectations of it is in like an early 80s... Uh, late seventies, early eighties. I can't remember exactly what year it came from, but uh, you know, television miniseries. It is literally nineteen eighty. I just looked it up. Yeah, yeah, I knew and it. I, I later Hudson for sure. I right. had to verify this, but Darren McGavin himself appears. In oh yeah, he's in it. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, finally Kolshak and McMillan, the team up we've always <laughs> wanted. Kolshak and Commissioner McMillan of the San Francisco Police Department. I used to watch McMillan and Wife a lot. Sure, he had a mustache, and he was out he there. He had a man. mustache, and he had Susan St. George as his, mm-hmm. is that her name? Susan St. James, St. sorry, no. as his wife, and she was yep. great. The scene, the scene from the Martian Chronicles that really stuck with me when I was yeah. watching it as a kid was the scene, and I don't, I only remember just bits of this from seeing it originally. Where uh, there's a guy who owns like a, a restaurant on Mars or something, yes, and something happens, and he looks through a tele, he has this telescope to, that that's pointed at Earth that he mm-hmm. looks through occasionally, and he looks through it, and he sees that Earth has destroyed itself. Wow. I guess through nuclear war or something, yeah. and it's like this heavy moment, and I, that really hit me as a kid yeah. at the time. It well, stuck with me. I mean, that at that time, you know, nuclear war was on the forefront of everything too. I mean, it was yeah, coming. It was, it was coming up more because it's not too long after you get things like the day after and stuff. Like mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we were just talking about. Eighty-three is where a lot of that new Cold War panic, nuclear panic stuff started to set in, and you know. Chad and I were both probably just starting high school or getting out of junior high around that time. And it was just unending concerns about who's going to push the button first. Um, Dang. But uh, I just remember that miniseries being boring. But then now I'm looking at this and realizing I will have to watch it again because it's also got Nicholas Hammond in it. Spider-Man. It has Roddy McDowell and Bernadette Peters. I think that's a lot of the charm I find in it is that like everyone in it is great. It is such a yeah. snap. It's like watching one of those airport movies and you're like, yeah. I don't know if it's yeah. good, but that's Jimmy Stewart oh, these- and that's Dean Martin. And that's, you know, yeah. it's I like understand. the cannibal run. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. We're just like, oh, Roger Moore is kind of playing James Bond and there's Burt the Reynolds. The Martian Chronicles that's is kind of the cannibal run of sci-fi. Oh, oh no. But that is yeah. I mean, so much of the charm of a lot of those. It's, I mean, it's, it's kind of some of the, the, the weaker Kolchak stuff is like that, too. We always oh, all, all the great character actors. Yeah. Showing up. Get these great guest stars. I mean, even yeah. in watch the nice star movies has one of my all time favorite actors, Ralph Meeker in it, who I always thought Ralph was Meeker. one of yeah. the most underappreciated leading man of like the 50s. Um, and is just a, a very good. Uh, he was one of the better police lieutenant guys. Right. Absolutely, yeah. He Captain's. was, well, yeah. He was as absolutely, and that's the thing about it. Uh, uh, th- even we would always go like, "Wow, but this person." I mean, I was just saying, like the werewolf episode. You go like, uh, "Oh, uh, you know, it's whatever." But you're like, "Oh, but Dick Gautier is great in all of his scenes." You know, mm-hmm. like they would bring in these people who would just crush, uh, yep. even if the material was kind of beneath them. You would get, uh, you, you know, all these. I mean, you, and, and you get people who are about to like you get a right before Mash. You get Jamie Farr on there and stuff I know. like that. And you get Dick Van Patten in an episode and things like that. Just uh, that was one of the fun things about who you're going to see in each episode. Or you'd get legendary people. I mean, one of the reasons we love uh, 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 Horror in the Heights uh, yeah. is that that one has so Phil many. Great- yeah, and it ha- but, but like, but everybody in it is like an old pro, you know, from yeah. like Pat Skills. Comedy. And by that, you mean uh, John? The, the <laughs> politically correct term is you say sex workers is. <laughs> they're not called not old pros old anymore pros. they're sex workers so you know that episode... old pros down in the red light district um, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's it's horror in the heights too yeah, yeah. Quiet, you know, not, <laughs> not the other words horror in the heights and it was uh not what i was it, expecting I did just to provide it. context for the people at home so bunch yeah. of sex workers <laughs> and i didn't get it uh i don't want to see kolshak paying for it you know what i'm saying <laughs> i just think that's <laughs> 
<laughs> Anywho, um, yes, that's okay to our listener. Uh, that's a, I mean, it's, it is in our wheelhouse of something that we would talk about, but I think that both of us would have to do a rewatch because, but you actually are remembering it much clearer, clearly than I am. I did appreciate this. Chad, did you ever read League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, all of them? Because they had, well, they could, though, no, because they had. Did you read every single word, Chad? <laughs> no, I, I don't think I read any of them. but I don't know. Well, the first two miniseries uh, are really great. And I actually, I enjoyed all of it. It's just it gets really, he goes up his own butt, Alan Moore does. Alan Moore up his and own you know butt? What he, and years? you know what he finds what? there? Magic. No. Anyway, so. <laughs> what do you mean by up his own butt? What? Besides, well, it gets he gets magic. more and more obscure, and then he's also yeah. pushing his agendas really hard. Instead agendas of the original and- concept was literally just what if we took all these great Victorian characters, had a plot where they meet up and their forces. Oh, good. And it, he's, he has a good concept. Then it becomes less about plot and him about pulling ultra obscurity out. And then, like it's one of the really last miniseries was him basically wanting to just slam modern fantasy fiction specifically jk rowling he ends really? up making the antichrist basically harry potter by the end you're like what i what yeah i mean it's just alan moore's stuff has gotten less and less approachable sure. in like the the idea it's, it's not even about the ideas anymore it is like a rant on a page sure i mean but, some, uh, uh, and he's not gonna do comics anymore anyway uh but well, uh, league of extraordinary gentlemen volume about- two takes the approach oh, so of he he basically it's post the original story which was Fu Manchu essentially and Moriarty and all that stuff but the second one is the uh, Martian invasion of From, War of the Worlds yeah, well, War of the with Worlds. all those Victorian characters so yeah. at certain points there are also scenes on Mars which was his excuse and I fully welcome it <laughs> uh, where he's like going he starts pulling in obviously John Carter is there and mentioned uh, so Edgar Rice Burroughs, also Gulliver Jones, who's a another a relative of mine, but also another uh, human Earthling who ended up on Mars in, in classic old Victorian fiction. Um, and so he's doing all these things, and he includes the aliens from uh, Martian Chronicles, those Martians. Yeah. Uh, and they're being enslaved by these other ones, and they're having their wings torn off, and it's it's all very very good but it is something where he just like going yeah they all were on mars i mean Every one of those characters that so said they were on mars were there so and i'm gonna make it all work one of the idea of that comic is you can just start doing that you just start building all these things right it's like okay well if all these characters from victorian fiction exist then why not these characters from this canon and this and this and all of a sudden all these literary things together yes. i mean you've got the ancestor of james bond in the original yes first volume and stuff like that so he starts connecting all these things throughout it's very the first i can't recommend the first two volumes of it more me either and then your mileage will really vary when you start to get into the black dossier and when he starts doing the jumps through time and things like that and yeah. eventually when he starts trying to do the musical comics and stuff like that yeah some of that stuff is i mean it is wild he's you know look more has always got ideas but like yeah, the ideas start to overshadow the plot, as you're saying, Brandon, where it's like, I'm going to yeah. be experimental. It's like, you still need to tell a story, though. But he found so much joy and magic 
up his own ass. I don't know if Alan Moore has ever found joy anywhere, but I've seen the interviews I've seen. Uh. He's a grumpy, do you, grumpy. Do you guy. know if he ever corresponded with Philip Jose Farmer? I don't know if he did or not, uh, but it is. Because- I mean, it's the same kind of thing, and I'm sure that he, he, no doubt. He was a vacuum when he was a kid. Comics, literature, all that stuff. So I'm sure he was very familiar with the Wold Newton universe and all the Philip Jose Farmer fictional biographies and stuff like that. Which yeah, I, uh, we, I, we talked I, about that a little bit in context when we were doing mm-hmm. time, the episode on Time After Time. Yeah. And uh, the great Nick Meyer. Yeah, yeah. Nick Meyer is like Mr. Oh. Sherlockania and all that stuff. And yeah, oh. Sherlock Holmes versus Jack the Ripper. Uh, Dracula, whoever, because why not? I love that stuff. And yeah, I mean, Kim Newman, the great Kim Newman, a shout out to Kim Newman, who wrote Anno Dracula, the entire series of Anno Dracula books. Once again, so clever. Even the thing I like about Kim Newman is even as he gets more obscure, though, it never, he never comes off with the arrogance of an Alan Moore. You know, it's, well, he's it's, also not trying to write great literature. He's writing no. very solid literature, but it's still he's being a genre writer, and just I, of a certain class and intelligence that I appreciate. Similarly, he's putting that in the context of history and fictional characters of canon and stuff like that, it's it's all the Anno Dracula. You read Music of the Night, John? Yeah. No, Angels of Music. Oh no, is it Angels of the Night? Uh, I actually have it behind me, but I can't read it. Oh yeah, it's Angels of Music. Angels of Music, yes. Yeah, that's the one where he basically does Charlie's Angels, but of the Victorian era, or not, post-Victorian, where it's Eric, the Phantom of the Opera, is essentially Charlie. And <laughs> the the agents he has working for him are famous, uh, like Trilby, who is from, um, well, Trilby, but we know Svengali. Yeah. Uh, Svengali, the famous villain who used mind control to make her a great singer. Well, basically Eric's like, you've got great gifts and Svengali was a dick. I'm going to help you use your powers for good. So the family opera becomes like this guy sending out his agents who are the angels of music. That's cool. Crime and stuff. Yeah. It's absolutely great. Newman stuff is exactly that where it's like, Oh, of course, if this is about getting the singing, then that could connect a fan. Mm -hmm. So nerdy and knowledgeable, but he's also so clever and smart, and it never just feels like I don't know. I'm going to jam a couple things together. Yeah, he's really got well Irma Vep in there from yeah. you know the silent yeah. films, and of course it's, the modern remakes. I, I mean, his stuff is. I mean, his stuff is just pump it right in our veins, right, Brendan? We always talk yeah. about like yeah, Kim Newman, and, and he'll so... work in these references that aren't necessary, like in Anno Dracula, just because. Chad, have you ever read it? I highly recommend it if you have. It's a great book. The, just that first one, even if you don't keep reading the other yeah, series. Yeah, yeah. But uh, because vampires become known and therefore socially acceptable because Dracula wins and, and becomes the consort of Queen Victoria. So vampirism is out in the open. Silver is outlawed because silver fucks up vampires. And the Jack the Ripper murders start happening, <laughs> just like they did in real world except for jack the ripper is jack seward from the novel dracula and he's slaying vampire prostitutes with silver scalpels Um, and because of the silver thing he works in this little offhand reference like uh england's the focal point but vampirism's kind of going everywhere um and the problem with silver worldwide is they go it even affected um, a bunch of silver mines in the U.S. Uh, owned by the Reed family, 
which is a Lone Ranger reference. Yep. Lone Ranger. And he doesn't go anywhere with it. He doesn't like go, and then a guy in a mask showed up. No, it's just a little reference. And if you read <laughs> it, you go, holy shit. I, uh, I, I've recommended before, too, that his most recent book, I love uh, something more than something darker than night, I think it's called, uh, which is a, uh, a sort of hard boiled detective story. Oh, with, yes. With, uh, is it Dash? I believe it's Dashiell Hammett and, uh, Boris, Boris Karloff, Karloff. Yeah, yeah, teaming up Hollywood. Yeah, it is so much fun. And if you're an old movie nerd, it is it's the same thing. It's just packed with so many references and stuff. And I love uh. him and stuff because he's really it's such open love for this stuff and pop culture. And he's all over the, a lot of the research we do uh, for the Meet the Monster show. He is all over every documentary about monsters. Oh, yeah, yeah. They'll always interview him, and he's very distinctive because he's like similar to Alan Moore, who's like a friend of his, just like Neil Gaiman is, but he's like, yeah, I'm an eccentric, and I'm going to embrace it. So he has like this ridiculously huge sort of horseshoe mustache and he's wearing like frock coats and he's got this long rock and roll like he's like he's ian anderson or jethro tall yeah and he he just looks like a a british eccentric and he's just like going um well the thing i really enjoy about the hammer films and you're like going of course kim newman would be asked about this and he's one of those gonna go to him He's like a more hyper-focused uh, genre guy version of like a Tarantino where it's also like, no, no, let me defend even you. Th- people say that one's bad, but let me tell you about <laughs> why it works. Actually. You know, like that's the thing. It's like secretly awesome. the best one. You know, let that- me talk about the beast must die in greater detail. I know. Um, great. And it's totally sincere. That's the thing I love about it. There's no, he's just like, I love this stuff. I don't really you care. You know what we're doing right now? We're educating Chad. Yeah. Which is is what this episode should be called, Educating Chad. <laughs> I, I do recommend Kim. This Newman. is my education phase. Yeah, any, any yeah, of stuff is- more, please like it. Yes. One other thing I wanted to talk about, uh, since we have John here, uh, and I know that uh, that Chad, you've been very busy because you rock, and I have seen you roll, uh, <laughs> and you've had your uh, tours of late. So you haven't been able to watch as many movies, but I wanted to have John here to kind of uh, sum up and talk a little bit about uh, the movies of this summer. Yeah, let's do it. I'm opening up. What was your favorite yourself, Chad, of the summer that you've seen? Well, yeah, I haven't seen a lot of them. Uh, I'm trying to remember now what I have seen. (laughs) Well, you've seen Guardians. Guardians, You saw saw, Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. Um, And Indy yeah, five. You saw Indy, of course. I have yeah. to say, and, and this is uh, this may be partially fueled by the fact that it's just getting it got panned just yes. by so many people. I don't understand why, which we talked about a couple of yeah. times on the show. Yeah, I love that movie. It is not without its faults, but I that's the only movie I went to go see twice this yeah. summer. Totally agree. Totally so agree. I oh, just don't oh, get it. I mean, I don't want to get too deep into that because we already no, did no, show. No, 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 and we we've made that pretty clear here that and and I similarly because obviously John and I will be talking about things you haven't seen yet, so maybe we can sway yeah. you one way or the other. But but I saw Indy after you, and your defense was immediate. And I was like, "Damn, Chad's feeling it." And I was like, "Yeah, he's a little over the top." Then I went to see it, and I came back going, "You're fucking right." 
<laughs> go ahead and bleep because you're fucking right, man. I loved it. I loved it. And I don't get the general so man of audiences. Like, the general it's so man. rare I get a message from you, Brandon, with just overwhelming praise. You, not that you like dislike things, but you no, often I'm are a nitpicker. Going, but like, I just get a message from Brandon going like, I loved Indy. And I'm like, oh, it, I'm so glad because I did too. I just, whatever faults that, that it might have, it so nailed everything I needed it to be. The the I, I'm somebody who tends to uh, sort of the opposite of Brendan is the and this is often a lot of our discussions are like this. The Arguments. nitpicks can find of can kind of fall away for me. I can sort of ignore them if like mm-hmm. the core emotional thing impacts me. And so then oftentimes I can go like, okay, yeah, I see that that dialogue was a little weak or maybe that scene didn't need to be there, something like that. But I'm just going, like, mm-hmm. but I, I I tend to really, especially on like a first viewing, really focus in on this broad reaction and that movie. I mean, I, you know, grew up obsessed with the Indiana Jones movies. That's one of my absolute top franchises. And that character means everything to me. I'll even defend the not as great ones because they have Indiana Jones. in them. like, I mean, like that's the thing. There are things to like in kingdom of the crystal skull, even if in broad strokes, I don't think the movie completely works. Not a single one of those five films is a shit burger. No, and they're I I, I well, like, even at the weakest, which would be Crystal Skull. I I there like you said, there's a lot in it I do enjoy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, maybe I am obsessed with Kate Blanchett in a black uh, crop hairdo <laughs> with the bangs. The things, I think is she is having the time of her life in that movie, and oh. I love her as a pulp villain, and she's yeah, having too. so much fun. Yeah, you know. So, John, so, what what is your opinion? Why do you think? Just touch on this a little bit. We're already talking about it. So, what the yeah, hell? Yeah, we're there. Uh, why what is i mean i know that there's people there's the anti-woke people who have a problem well, yeah, there's a strong that, female character in this movie like that's just like you that does their opinions almost don't matter you know what i mean like exactly yeah opinion, like that's stupid that has nothing to do with anything that's not even but, a then, but then there's people like kevin smith and christian harloff and stuff who, who are like both kind of mid on the, well, Chris, yeah. kevin was like devastated that they didn't do what he thought they were going to do but, yeah, but people, people like Christian Harloff are like, I don't know about the ending. Like, I and I just it baffles me that it didn't hit them as hard as it did me. It's like it was, it was beautiful. How could you not it see was, a beautiful? I think the ending in particular uh, is is amazing. Like, it's 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 exactly what I uh, it, it, they did something that the franchise hasn't done. So I almost it's one of those things where it's like uh, you get mad at something for hewing too close to something, and then you get mad at something for doing it. It's so I do think the biggest problem with Indiana Jones is something that Star Wars suffered from for a long time and still to a certain extent does. And I still is just people have built up in their heads something that nothing can live up to. They yeah. are trying yeah. to recreate the feeling of being eight years old and seeing Raiders of the Lost Ark. And that's impossible. Nothing can do that. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're, they're not even I think I think I think I truly think Dial of Destiny will be something that once it's just on Disney Plus and amongst them, and especially as new people find the franchise, it'll be beloved. I really do think yeah. that. Yeah. Removed from all the nostalgia around it, it is such a great final chapter in the saga as a whole. So mm-hmm. I do just think there are people who are just like, I don't know. And then, of course, I think there yeah. were also people who went in arms folded because it wasn't Spielberg. I saw so many reviews that were just like, well, it's missing the Spielberg magic, though. And you're like, what does that even mean? <laughs> like, that's, that's, you've made that up. Yeah, yeah. Mangle reminds me too. Amazing director. So yeah, yeah. But and you kind of knew it was going to be good because he was at the at the helm. Yeah, um, but, but I uh, immediately had faith once they got him. Yeah. 
And it kind of reminds me of, uh, Brendan and I talked a little bit about strange new worlds recently. Yeah. And, and, uh, I find myself making this mistake too. Sometimes it's like people criticizing how silly that show gets sometimes. And then you have to yeah. kind of step back and think, guys, when was the last time you actually watched the original series? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Brendan knows I always, I am, uh, you know, I'm Star Trek is my a number one franchise of the whole, like, that's the thing that means the most to me aside from Marvel, which is all around me, of course. But, uh, but Star <laughs> Trek means if you go into the other room, my apartment, it's all Star Trek stuff. Uh, but that show. So yeah, it's so perfectly captures specifically 60s Star Trek, but reframes it in a way where it still feels modern, but that's it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You're going like, Dude, just because they didn't do a musical episode in the 60s didn't mean that they wouldn't have in season four. You know what I mean? Like, right. that didn't right. feel, that's not that crazy. They could have done an entire episode that was like the transformed man, where, yeah. you, where <laughs> Kurt just starts speaking, it you know, cool. Out of play. That's the thing that got me when I saw it. Yeah. It's Tambourine Man. I, my favorite part yeah, of the movie. Tambourine Man! <laughs> The end of it when he's like shouting after him as if like the tambourine man is not paying attention to him. I, I know. Love I love it. Man. Come here, like get back here. No, no, that that's yeah, that that's it exactly. And I think that there is a thing where people have created in their mind some of these things. It's so interesting. I just saw somebody ranting about uh Ahsoka uh and all the new Star Wars stuff, and they're going like Star Wars isn't special anymore. It's like, well, that's because it's more ubiquitous. Yes, of course, when it was. But the other thing is that takes some of the weight off of it, right? So if it's something that's not as good or whatever, I think that's the thing with indie is we so rarely got Indiana Jones that's movies true. that it would give people years and years to go, what could it be? What will it be? Yeah. This is the end. And then when it's like good, but not the the changing your life, then they're going like, nah, I was pretty disappointed, actually. My main yeah, problem yeah. with with when these franchises, and I don't think it will happen with indie, even if they decide to spin off uh, Wombat Shaw into her own series, which I would love because I love her. Yeah. I, know I, know I even do it with like uh, the singy voice. Yeah. But um, I, but if the, even if they do, it won't be the same as like with Trek and Star Wars. But I, I am okay with expanding these universes, my problem is always, and I occasionally I bump up against this, even with Strange New Worlds, which is my favorite Star Wars, uh, Star Trek, sorry, since probably Next Generation. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, because I I've always am, that's because you can't, you will not engage with Deep Space Nine, and that infuriates me because I. I'm a deep space. I keep trying, and deep space nine has been trying to get a hold of him. He won't even come, man. I just like, <laughs> keep hold saying, on, getting a right. call. <laughs> I'm just gonna let it go to voicemail. Yeah, Brandon, was that I deep space I'm nine? Saying, Maybe like, deep space Maybe. nine, man, is the one I keep coming back. But anyway, to. Um, but the thing is, <laughs> the only problem I have with it is when it starts to despecialize. I believe that the original stuff should be held on like a pedestal. At least as far as canon, like my problem with things that like Pike is doing amazing things as a captain and I keep going, well, if Pike was doing all that stuff, why is James T. Kirk's five years plus even mentioned? Because Pike is doing all these amazing things. That's why I prefer no prequels. Like, mm-hmm. do stuff after where people mm-hmm. still go in odd tones. Luke Skywalker, he brought back the Jedi. And, you know, that'd be great because then you're not tainting that. It's yeah. the adventures of people post the, what they the, did. 
the thing, but when the they thing go backwards it, and they go, well, this person was even more powerful and awesome. And they're like, well, then why do we even give a shit about the these the, classic the thing? Characters? I think the, the, that I always, and, I, and we've had this conversation. This is my response to it too, is Pike was already held in esteem in the original series. I would be more like, I really have a, I really did not like Star Trek discovery because they did in that start inserting new characters. You go, whoa, whoa, these are like super important canon characters. And we have all of a sudden Spock has the sister who's like more amazing than Spock and actually like inspired Spock. And you're just like, that's wild. The thing it's- is, at least this is still like when they talk of Pike, he was a great captain and had this personal relationship with Spock enough that Spock would commit mutiny to save him. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think this is one of the best prequels in that. We knew there were other captains. We knew there were other great captains. They even have Robert April in the show who is referenced yeah. as the yeah. first captain of the Enterprise, uh, at least the NCC-1701. Of course, you've got the NX-01, which is Captain Archer, the original Enterprise. But uh, <laughs> yeah, It's okay. I, I saw the panic there in your eyes. But I know, it, yeah, I know. I, you I, just I, need I, to get I used to, to how John to works. Off those comments, <laughs> right? People come in and go, you know, Jonathan Archer was technically the first Enterprise captain. Well, I don't think it'll be my brother this time because my brother does love him some Trek, but he's not uh, tracking it quite uh, as detailed as you. All the stuff has been in my mind because I was watching the Center Seat documentary. Which was which, great. Yeah, there's a whole show about the Enterprise and all the problems that that show had. Yeah. yeah, they, oh, all, yeah, yeah. They, all, they, they hammer on the theme song so much. Well, the theme song is the biggest problem in the whole show. <laughs> I have no question about that. The theme song Dude. is... I, it, it, it's anytime I, I rewatch an enterprise, it's just like it, it, it. I mean, and there are certainly things that date all the shows, but that is just like, it is the early two thousands. As soon as that guy goes, it's been a long time. Like, Jesus it is 2001. It can't be more 2001. Okay. Yeah, so we uh, all yeah. agree. Indy five. Indy five is great. If not the best, just, just a great, awesome movie of this summer. And probably the most fun I had. I, that, uh, I I'm not willing to state that because you know there is one thing I love more than Indiana Jones that came out this summer. Well, I didn't see it, and you didn't see it, and that is Mission Impossible. I am that oh. is I think the you've best. just listed. You're you're about to go. That's my favorite franchise. It'll be the third favorite franchise you've no, mentioned. I, I think it's the, I think it's the best current like running movie franchise. I, I really do, and it is it has a lot of running in it. That's true. That's um, so much running, but I just think those are the most in in the it's similar to the way I appreciate Indiana Jones. I really do feel like each one of those is so crafted, is so precisely made. They aren't just churning them out. They don't come out on a regular schedule. Uh, it is like the, the each one of those is so. I, I, I've talked. I, Brendan and I just did a we just did a, a, a thing on our patron page where we watched through all those movies because Brendan had only seen some of them. Yeah. And the thing I love, I, and I kept saying this, is I feel like that's the artisanal summer <laughs> blockbuster are those movies where it's like, it really is. And they, they're, those are the biggest events to me. And you see the way they're promoted where it is like, there's there's very little CGI and it's all about the very real stunt work. And uh, I just feel like those are... Also, I do like the, the, the little layer of Asiago cheese they put on the top. That's really <laughs> nice. Uh, but it just feels like there's, there's, there's a real crafted nature to those. It's like those are, those are something special in a world where we're so used to, to churning out of uh, chapters. Well, of- I, you know, I'll watch okay. it. I'll watch it eventually. I, I, I did enjoy every single one of them. I, I just don't there's a big disconnect for me with a lot of Tom Cruise 
things and also a kind of a disconnect with that character to where it is a an awesome action franchise with awesome action where i generally never really care about the characters uh i can be like yay yay we've got benji back i, I love simon Pegg. uh awesome uh oh good and it's like ethan hunt ethan hunt just doesn't do much for me other than he'll save the day and I'm just like, okay, there's not as much personality, and I do like a personality, which is why I wouldn't put it anywhere near an Indiana Jones thing, because they're not pulp adventure. But I'm I'm not well, asking not, it I mean, to be. It's its own yeah, thing. Not, yeah, it's its own yeah. thing. I mean, I think one of the, one of the things I love about Ethan Hunt as a character is he is he does not have the personality of, say, a James Bond or something like that, but he is defined by what he does, right? It is the impossible nature of it, and it is this, and especially this, uh, my co-host on, on one of my other shows, Michael Lisman, who also watched through all those Mission Apostles, he and I did a, an episode on our YouTube channel after we saw Dead Reckoning. And he talks about like it is starting, the character grows more mythic in these movies to the point where like, particularly in this, it's like, you just have to believe in this man who can do the impossible. So they're, they're I mean, but it, in, in like a superhero way, like they're, they're. Well, it's true. Chad, you haven't seen it either. I did get something spoiled for me. He does raise someone from the dead in this one. So it's, it, it, it he, by just laying on of hands. And I'm like, truly, that was an impossible mission. Hmm. Uh, he doesn't go that far, but there is a moment where it's basically just like uh, someone's in danger and they just have to go like, Ethan Hunt's going to be here. And by God, if Ethan Hunt doesn't show up. And oh, when I saw it at the premiere screening, the whole audience erupted into applause when he shows up. Because it's just, there, there oh, is... Oh, were some- they surprised that Tom Cruise was going to be in a Mission Impossible <laughs> He is here. Yeah, he is here. Yeah. No, it's, it, I just think those, those to me, and you know, once again, mileage may vary. This is all subjective stuff. Those to me are the most, I saw Dead Reckoning Part 1, 3. It's the only way I saw three times this summer. I Three just kept times. going back. Wow. I've seen all of them multiple times in the theater because okay. they, they just don't feel like any. I, he was only going back know. because he, he did a, a viewing each uh, for each of the lead actresses. Oh, uh, there was a Vanessa friend. Kirby viewing. There was don't, a Haley Atwell viewing. And there was a Rebecca that, Ferguson viewing. Don't and I understand. You're the, guy with, you're the guy with the crushes on all the, on all the I girls. I do have a crush on every single one of those, yeah. but those are well-deserved crushes. Yeah, and, they and are then amazing. also Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Basically, I have a crush on any uh, attractive British. female that can act. They're all and, British, uh, well, except for I guess and they are Swedish, but yeah. but she does the British accent in the Mission Impossible. She does, she does. Um, but no, that, uh, all right. that's that's my favorite of, and that will always be. Did it's we all enjoy Guardians it. Volume Three? Did we loved all enjoy it? Guardians loved it. I did see that twice too. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, that movie is once talk about once again a perfect wrap up to that trilogy i really do truly we even we with my talk- nitpick my big nitpick <laughs> i loved it uh, uh Wait, we, hold, we'll get about, i was gonna say trilogies are so hard right yeah and i think that mark within because i would when i talk about franchise when i was talking about yeah the franchises i love right and and uh, marvel is a strange thing to talk about as a franchise because it's this whole shared universe yeah. but like when you start i think marvel has had these really good trilogies within them the captain america trilogy the iron man trilogy and now the guardians trilogy and i think the guardians as a three-part story may be the best of those yeah because they were all handled by one person so he was able to enforce a trilogy uh on it it's so scary to think about there was a world where he almost didn't make that movie because i even if they used his script that's one where i just don't think somebody could have come in that those are one of the things I love about the Guardians movies and why I've ranked them so high 
in the Marvel, you know, canon is they are probably the most personal films. I mean, there's definitely personality in all of the the movies. I think the idea that they're directed anonymously is a dumb complaint. I think some are, but I think particularly we're seeing that more and more now. That's why I loved it about Multiverse of Madness, right? It's such a Raimi film. Yeah, um, absolutely. But, uh, but particularly those, you can just feel his heart in every moment of a Guardians film. And unless yeah. you're a, unless it's a character he just didn't doesn't care about, so he throws it in as a joke. All right, Brendan. Okay, uh, Adam Warlock. Adam Warlock. You deserve I love Adam better, Warlock. Adam. Adam Warlock is on a journey. You deserve man. better. This is chapter one of the Adam Warlock story. All right, this is he's got he's got to start somewhere. So um, you'll get your lightning bolt back on your chest. That's that's something that that, that really brings me to those movies because I can really feel not that it's missing from the other movies, but it just feels so personally made by James Gunn. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I love yeah. how he ended everybody there. I thought it was a, it was a great ending. Uh, mm-hmm. None of them die. I love, there was this whole discussion about, okay, who's going to die? Which some of them. Well, die. yeah, yeah. We talked about I that. Get, he he really get, played with everybody with like the trailers mm-hmm. of all the bodies being carried all through it. Yeah. You're like, damn. Then what like I love one last ride. You- and they, they isolate that <laughs> one quote of like, <laughs> You ready for one last ride? And I'm like, oh, dude, they're all going out. It's a suicide mission. It's and then they're like, no, we're okay. I, oh. I, I've seen a lot of discussion of this. And it's something that, that, that kind of irks me, too, is like anytime anything comes out, it's like, who's going to die? As if death is the only, like, right. most dramatic. It's the, it's the only dramatic thing you can do with a guy. I know. I mean, Indiana Jones, another per example, they, they even talk about it. There was never a version where Indiana Jones was going to die. For me, again. I just always think it's like, Who's going to kiss? <laughs> <laughs> Once again, though, that's Brandon with his crushes. Uh, he said, <laughs> <laughs> you think Rocket's going to kiss his little otter girlfriend? <laughs> uh, oh, man, though, they they went a darker route with that, didn't they? Um, uh, no, that was a heartbreaker, of course. I mean, that's the thing, too, is I just think also I really applaud Disney and Marvel for letting that film go to the dark. Pla- I do think the thing, letting the movie go to the dark places it goes because the movie is ultimately a life affirming positive movie. Yeah. But it has to go to dark places to get there. So when there was like, my kids yeah. are so upset, it's like, well, maybe that's kind of okay that like the upsetting stuff upset them. Well, it you, you kind of have to go, you are talking about Disney and yes, Disney's become its own thing, but let's go back to Dumbo and let's go right. back to Bambi. They're, those things were for kids. And yet, Everyone, generations have talked about how traumatized yeah, they are. Inducing, yeah, yeah, yeah and where it's like because they're like Grimm's fairy tales. Are like guys, yeah. there's think- magic, happiness, love, and romance. But the the way is thorny, and you not everyone will survive. It's like people will die, and kids do need stories or fairy tales or things that underline. Guys, there is a cost. And hopefully you won't experience it, but tragedies do happen. And I think, like, about, I think that's a healthy way to have kids deal with that too. I mean, that, yes. I, I think being such a movie kid that definitely shaped a lot of my, you know, mm-hmm. emotional upbringing. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Disney and darkness, how about Fantasia as Satan himself? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, that's not Satan. That's Fernabog. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, that really scared me as a kid, though. I remember that was uh, we, we went to. Bum, bum, bum. And that really scared me as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of the best animated things they ever did. That was back when I was growing up, they would bring out Fantasia every summer, pretty much. And that's for a while. They would would 
between Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back, Star Wars would come out every summer too. Yeah, yeah. put it back in the theaters because there was no home video market yet at that point. Right. I love that stuff, man. Well, God, the re-releases, so I, 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 they do still do that now, but it is much more niche now. It is like okay, it's somebody's, it's a thirty-fifth anniversary or something. We'll re-release this. Uh, I get that, but I do miss the Disney. Um, cycle where it's like oh yeah we need to put cinderella back out it hasn't been mm-hmm. out in like 15 yeah. years yeah, yeah. Mm. that was cool yeah now they oh, do well. like the fathom events where they which are kind of cool sure uh, i on you brandon i did go to the superman the movie whenever they did that a couple years ago for yeah, you know, right. superman the movie back in theaters for like two nights i sort of like that too where it's like we're gonna show it for two nights at 7 p.m like they're gonna make it an event you know yeah uh, I wish I had yeah. seen that, but then again, I've seen it a few times on the big screen. Yeah, Always I never love seen, it. I mean, once again, that was where my age. I had never seen it on the big screen, so that was. Oh. It was uh, Who are you? Awesome. A friend. <laughs> Dude, I know, but that's always Brendan and I both. Like, I'm gonna cry. I'm gonna cry, man. I'm gonna cry. I'm gonna cry. That's gonna get me right there. I'm gonna get perfect. Mm-hmm. All right. So, what else came out? Uh, Oppenheimer was all right. Uh, <laughs> Oppenheimer, uh, I consider it a new American, it's a new American classic. It really is. Like I, it's one of those moments sitting in the theater, and I got to see it. And Brandon, you and I, we didn't see it together, but we both saw it in seventy yeah. millimeter at the same theater. Yeah. Uh, and it was all consuming. It was it was one of those moments in film where I was like, yeah, I'm I'm witnessing like a movie that's going to be talked about forever. Like you could just feel this is yeah. like a, a David Lean movie or something like that, where it's like this is an epic that is. Uh, it's just oh, it's ama- it's an amazing piece of filmmaking it's one of those biopic type things where you're like going all right uh not that i look down on biopics i don't but uh, biopics are done well when they're done well i mean they're they're weighted towards in other words any director who's good mm-hmm. is going to take that material and there are moments you're going to be able to go yeah everyone's waiting for this and if i do it right it's going to be devastating it's where a lot of us are already aware of all the story beats. But I will say that Oppenheimer, you know, never really got this. There have been plenty of, uh, was there a HBO movie from the 90s that was like Fat Man and Little Boy, Fat which dealt with Paul Newman. But yeah. That was about the, 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 the military the side. Drop. Yeah, it was about that. But at the same time, was, uh, Oppenheimer really hasn't been approached. And you're watching that movie going, oh, I'm glad that no one really tainted this and let nolan be the guy because nolan is the guy for it and it was amazing um nolan, and you can't nolan you, said you know, and i think it's so true i'd heard him say it and i was thinking about watching the movie is uh he said this is the culmination of everything i've learned from all the other films i've done and you can see that every skill yeah. he's picked up every every lesson he's learned from all the other stuff and he's all i mean he's always been one of my favorite filmmakers even though i was just you know, we, we can just move past it. Disappointing the end of his Batman trilogy, uh, but uh, you know, but like across the board, I just think he's an, an immensely talented guy who I'm always. And it does feel like, oh man, yeah, this movie. It's a. It's also one of the best examples I've seen of an epic film that's also very intimate at the same time, and that is near impossible to pull off. And that's really something only somebody who's reached a master status like he had, I think, has the. Number one, the ability to get made. I can't imagine anyone else getting the kind of money needed to make something on this level. 
Uh, you need the cloud. I didn't beam. like the part at the end where uh, Rami Malek's character comes up and goes, "Some people call me Robin." I was like, "Oh, don't, <laughs> real quick, don't, guys, don't." You can also call me Robin. Uh, don't and that's do the other that. thing too is it also had the feeling of of, of an old time epic in every single character that shows up is a famous actor. You know what I mean? Like it does. Oh, have yeah. 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 It was literally wow. like, Oh my God. And a the lot of them, I didn't know past of hundreds, you know? Right. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. And you just go like, and like, I mean, number one, Crumholtz is in it. And I love David Crumholtz. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so glad somebody gave that guy like a great part in a big movie. Cause yeah. I've always really liked that guy. And every, Jack every Quaid is Richard person. Feynman. Yeah. 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 The guy who really blew me away was Alden Ehrenreich. Uh, uh-huh. you know, yeah. Han Solo. And I thought he has to carry so much of being the audience surrogate in those sequences with Robert Downey Jr., who is. And he's great. And Robert Downey Jr., come Downey, on. Downey, I mean, I think that, you know, of yeah. course. Apparently he can act. Well, but I mean, people talk about though. Who knew? Not, not that he <laughs> hasn't been acting. I think I still stand by one of my things always about the Marvel movies is people really took him for granted as Tony yeah. Stark. They thought it because it seemed so effortless, he didn't get appreciated yeah. enough. But I right. think he's really struggled post Iron he's Man. He's the only Marvel right. character that has had a real arc, a true, uh, I mean, it is, and it is it's amazing. It's and like I said, I think because he's so perfectly slipped into yes. that part, it was just yes. going like, no, people go like, well, Danny's just doing Danny. It's like, no, 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 it's such a brilliant performance as Tony yep. Stark. Mm-hmm. But yeah, seeing this, this is the first time where it's like, okay, good. I think he's finally found a post Iron Man thing that is a great use of him and reminds people. Right, I am not just a movie star who's famous for playing this iconic role. I'm right. one of the best actors of my generation, and I've always yep. thought, what an incredibly talented and so smart to work with a great auteur, take a meaty supporting role, and yep. I mean, certainly the Oscar buzz is there because that feels like an Oscar-y part. And yes. the guy who I think it's taken for granted, of course, in Oppenheimer is Killian Murphy because it's sort of like, well, yeah, and he's also he's very subtle. Which I think sometimes people write yeah. off as not as interesting acting, but he is so compelling. There's you no just, one in it that's bad. No, we no, can list really the whole is. cast. Everyone's no, good. I mean, and, and what I love is once again everybody gets their moments. Josh Hartnett I thought was amazing in his couple scenes. Mm-hmm. Tom Conti is Einstein. Oh my god, incredible! Yeah. Um, and that I one just, guy that shows up and goes, "Here's the steak you ordered." That guy incredible. was unbelievable. <laughs> Like, I get, totally bought him as a waiter. I was like, yeah. Being, being a character actor nerd like I am, I'm going like, oh, my God, Remar is in this and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, James Remar. Are you and, kidding? And when Oldman shows up as Truman, that I truly had no idea. Oh. And uh, Gary God, Oldman is, yeah. is And you're like, what? Are, how actors. are you this guy who's been Churchill and, and because, uh, Truman and I Dracula? Truly, I truly do think he might be the greatest actor ever. Really. I do think yeah. he's in the running. Wow. He's uh, in the running. Yeah. I think he, I mean, it's, you know, those are hard, broad strokes things to say, but he's one of the first. By people the way, Chad, have you watched Slow Horses at all? Yes. Yeah. It's on both seasons. And he's yeah, well, in well, that. What a perfect, incredible role for him. He's talked about that. And goes, it's a role what? where he doesn't have to get in shape. In fact, no, it's actively he, discouraged. He's, he's talked about that. He goes, I would be content to do this forever. If they want me yeah. to do 20 seasons yeah. of this guy, I oh, will never such a great character. Uh, it and, is yeah. an amazing character. And really. uh, I'm sure he's like, oh, gift from the gods. But then what's I great, just love it. He just never admits that he cares about anybody, but I know. clearly I know. he does. He's like, oh, fuck off. Not to complain all of you about so that show, bad. but what I love about that show, too, very much so, as in my beloved Columbo, which is one of my favorite TV shows ever. Columbo's amazing. He's, he's the guy 
who everybody writes off as the drunk. And but as soon as you see, it's like, oh no, he's the best, actually, isn't he? That guy has he the, the it on. All you have to see is once he clicks into steel it, trap like, brain. He's just the best. But everybody writes him off because he's this pudgy, farting drunk of a man. But then, wait, oh, no. are we still talking about him or me? <laughs> Brendan, we've talked about your drinking, man. Um, uh, uh, not nearly enough about the farting. Anyway, so uh, what else came out this summer? Barbie is great. Barbie's Barbie is, great. Barbie Speaking, is if you're really going to talk good. about it, highly recommended, Chad. I know it's, that it's the biggest movie in the world, but it's just good. Oh, it's it, what's funny is that I remember when you first brought that up, I hadn't even heard of it. And what? And, and you had to qualify say, like, no, no, it really looks good. <laughs> I've had to say just the, the trailer. Thing, I've had to say yeah. say the same thing to our mutual friend Jerry over and over again. Because Jerry I mean, Jerry's willing to watch pretty much anything, but at the same time, he does go in and I'm I'm guilty of the same thing, preconceived notions. Sure. Because it has taken many conversations of, of him going like, Really? Is it really? Yeah. I'm like, it is. The whole Barbie when they announced they were doing a Barbie movie, like anybody, I went like, oh, who cares? You know. And then, but then yeah. they said Greta Gerwig was going to direct, and she was going to write with Noah Baumbach. And I'm like, well, I love their films. Yep. These are like serious indie auteurs. So you're mm-hmm. going like, okay, well, that's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. And then I saw the trailer, and I, I think I said this to you, Brandon. We saw the trailer in front of some movie we were at, and I said. Man, that is a swing, and that is either going to really work or really blow up. Like, yeah, and it will, and and but that excites me. I love that kind of, I mean, for lack of a better word, dangerous like studio filming, taking a big recognizable IP and going like, we're going to go all in on this thing and have this very specific take. And yeah, it might not work, but if it does, and it did, it turned into this incredible film that is, I think, the real magic trick of it is. It is both uh, an examination of of and celebration of. So it's like it's yeah. it, it's critical in all the right ways, but it's not a takedown either. It's also this loving tribute to. I just the script on that movie, and of course all the production design stuff. But like when you have that kind of level of talent the and score, money, the, the songs. Score. Right. But, but I'm just saying, particularly the script and truly, truly Ryan Gosling's performance. I mean, everybody's great in it, but I really think. Gosling is can is like I will be upset if he isn't nominated for it. I really do think he should be. Yeah. He is a level of commitment from an actor to something that if you're not 100% committed to or even remotely outside of would be a disaster. Yeah. And instead he leans in a million percent into yeah. this absolutely insane character. It's great. Um, and now I'm just sitting here going I am just counting the days till Wes Anderson's Hot Wheels movie comes out. I am well, Here's totally. the problem. Everybody is saying this, and it's true. And it's absolutely true. Hollywood is learned, and that we already know, because what stuff has been greenlit, they're learning the absolute wrong lesson. Oh, they always movie. do. They always do. <laughs> this is what people want. Lena Dunham is making Polly Pocket, and you're like, no one wants that. Oh, Lena Dunham is making Polly Pocket. You haven't Pocket. heard that? Lily Collins is no. playing Polly. But it's like, oh, that's, that's exactly Christ. the wrong thing, because... Oh. Barbie was such a specific it's it's a, such a singular vision and it's such a perfect that much it's I, I compared a lot to the Lego movie because I think similarly these are really smart filmmakers who are tapping into something mm. very primal about these toys the Lego movie surprised me I really enjoyed it I wasn't expecting to enjoy it yeah. but then now you're trying to, and they are making a Hot Wheels movie like that is being greenlit, and there's yeah. going to be a a a Barney movie that they're saying is going to be more like an A24 horror movie and you're like oh 
don't. That's just because that's now it's cynical, right? Yes. The thing that's great about Barbie is it's so sincere. It's so much like I was talking about with James Gunn. You can really feel Greta Gerwig's heart in the center. And before anyone who actually knows about stuff I've created comes at me and goes, oh, you're one to kind of make a argument about, oh, cynical reinterpretation of childhood characters, Mr. Breakfast of the Gods, I'll say, yeah, you're right. Anyway, um, but that there also came from that came from deep love. Also, I was going to say it's like, and you can feel that when you read Breakfast of the Gods. No I question. hope so. I hope people got the fact that I may do terrible things to the Honey Nut Cheerios B. But the I other love thing them. about it, you weren't you weren't uh, the fourth comic book based on marketing sure. material. You know, I mean, that's sort of the thing too. Sure. Is I sort of feel like you kind of can only do Barbie once, or like I said, like Lego Movie came out. Now years have passed. Barbie comes out. These feel yeah. like. These just sync up. Now when you're trying to create that, instead of, as as I've seen several people go, instead of just, oh, the lesson is hire really good filmmakers who have a take on IP. It's like, yeah. no, India tour toy product. That's what we do now. Now yeah. we need to all group together, the three of us, and finally start pitching our GoBots movie. <laughs> I, <laughs> is, that, I, is it? Probably could write a GoBots movie. <laughs> is it Mattel? Is it Mattel that owns Mattel, Barbie? Yeah. Is that right? Mattel owns Barbie. Barbie. That is kind of a. I mean, I'm sure that's lightning in a bottle. Probably this movie. I, I haven't seen it yet, but I, you know, the, it, it's pretty much uh, well, it, universally praised. But what, it's like, what I want to see what the meetings were at Mattel about. Somebody saying, "No, just let Greta do her thing." Just, but well, that, that, that would be. Interesting. Oh no, let Greta do her thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, because it, she's it, going it, to mock us. Okay, she's going, okay. To, she's going okay. to mock. Yeah. That's the thing, and I think that's the thing. I'm, I'm, I'm very once again, much like I'm glad Disney was willing to let Gun go. To some of the darker stuff, there you know, was a level of trust. There, the Barbie movie isn't like a middle finger to Mattel, but it definitely like pokes fun at it and and pokes fun at capitalism. And I have mm-hmm. seen the left wing backlash because, of course, you've got once again the the woke anti woke people. They're out of the, but the left wing people going like, <laughs> well, yeah, it's anti capitalist, but it's still going to sell a bunch of merchandise and stuff like this. Like, <laughs> it's a Barbie know, movie. I don't know what to tell you then. Like, of course, people <laughs> want now the Barbies from the movie yes. or the whatever, you know, then there's shirts and the, 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 uh, they're uh, re-releasing Alan, the Alan doll that Michael Sarah's playing, Michael which Sarah is a famous, is, is, it's, Oh, they're all great. Again, everyone's great on it. Alan was a one-off doll from the sixties. That was a flop, which is one of the things they're mocking in the movie, but because the movie makes it great. Now they're like putting Alan back out. Alan's whole thing was you could put Ken's clothes on Alan. It was just yeah. another male doll that you can also put your Ken clothes on. And then you have Michael Sarah in the movie going like, all of his clothes fit me. Yeah. <laughs> it's just crazy. <laughs> and they're like, and what do you do? He goes, I can wear any of Ken's clothes. Yeah. It's great. It's great. <laughs> and this whole idea that in this world full of all these Barbies and Kens, there's just one Alan. There's just one, one Alan. And it's Michael uh, Sarah. So it's highly recommended. Uh, and then another one you haven't seen, Chad, Blue Beetle. Now, here's the thing. DC had a good summer, in my opinion. Both of the DC movies that came out this summer, I really liked. What was the other one? The Flash. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. We were big fans of The Flash. No, I did. Not so good for turnout. Well, I did did like The Flash. Yeah, we were were both. uh, But I really enjoyed Blue Beetle. I think Blue Beetle is very charming. Yeah. Uh, For some reason, when you said, you know, DC's having good... Uh, summer for movies. I 
I started thinking about Shazam 2, which I still haven't oh, seen. No, that's that what I thought first, yeah. And I jumped over The Flash, even though that's not fair. I really enjoyed The Flash, and I still wish it was a thing where they would go, we're going to give them a little bit more money to finish those effects. Because I yeah. think the With all effects, the time they had. Yes. God damn it. Similar to The Incredible Hulk, which we've talked about before, uh, which I think Very is underrated. a really good Hulk movie. Really underrated and, you know, uh, it's it's really solid, but I think the effects house really blew it. It's not mm, great. Yeah. Well, but I, mean, I the, think that's the same thing here. But Blue Beetle, like John's saying, and the reason I think John, James Gunn's like, yeah, no, it's part of what we're going to be doing. It's because it it refers to the DCU, but not in a way that is totally locked into anything Snyder ever did. There's mentions of Superman and Gotham and Batman. They just exist, though. Like, it's just like... They just oh, exist. Where Superman is, or they go, like, Central City? You mean where The Flash is from? Or yeah, they mention about, Central like, City. You mentioned Batman. They mentioned Wonder Woman. And just yeah. that they exist. There's no... Yeah. I cannot, It's not like um, Black Adam mentions all those people, too, but you, like, see a drawing of Jason Momoa as Aquaman or something like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's not saying we're the Snyderverse. But Yay. the thing that's really good about Blue Beetle is it's really small. It's actually it's it's it it didn't cost. I think what where the thing that 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 will save this movie in the long run is it didn't cost anywhere near as much as the Flash, right? Okay. Um, and it's it's purposely small. It's more character based. It's more of a story about this family and this kid. Uh, I really do feel like it's again kind everyone's of like, great in this one. Uh, it's kind of like uh, uh, we we talked about this coming out of there. It's kind of like if you put an Iron Man movie and a Spider Man movie together. And yeah. you kind of merge them. That's what you get from Blue Beetle. You get you get the hapless teen whose life is not a bed of roses, and he gets uh, with great power comes great responsibility, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gets an Uncle Ben moment. He gets all that kind of stuff. Um, and even though it's an alien artifact, it's very mecha and tech is what it it seems like. And there's a lot of inside mask, you know, yeah. like, like you get in the Iron Man uh, helmet. Like the H, the heads up display, we all that stuff. We talked about this, Brendan, the, the big, because it got pretty good reviews for the most part. Yeah. One of the mm-hmm. criticisms was that it's, it's, it's pretty generic. Like it follows the sort of formula of a super yeah. origin story. And I'm, but the thing that it does is what it lacks in the originality, it comes up with, what lacks in the originality of plot, I should say, is it has so much character to it, though. Well, that's, that's the deal is that it is very, stock origin story but it is the setting uh in a largely hispanic latino community and it's not just about jaime it's about his entire family you get to know them you care about them there's jokes and there's heart touching stuff it's good that i I love so much about it is it is that that beetle is completely blue there is not. You're sitting there going, surely there's another color. No, we were talking about because I was ready for it after the Flash and some of the other stuff they've done. The effects actually are pretty good. I loved all the bug ship stuff and the costume. Oh. The costume is one of my favorite superhero. Like the translation it of the costume great. in the movie looks um, incredible. And as I told you, Chad, not maybe on their podcast, but uh, I think you were asking me about it. But I do love that, and this is the kind of thing that would have driven me crazy as a nitpicky guy. I was afraid that there was to be all Jaime's story and ignore the legacy of Blue Beetle, which as a character, not an original DC character, but he is one of the oldest superheroes. Uh, Clearly, of course, he was a 
literally a comic book version where they said, can we just kind of borrow stuff from the Phantom and borrow stuff from Superman and borrow stuff? You're like, yeah. And then Green Hornet is on the radio. Green Hornet. What if we change a color and the bug? Yeah, okay. How about a blue beetle? They didn't work too hard on that. He's not very original, but he he was one of the original heroes. So this movie honors... The 60s Blue Beetle that became the one that, you know, Ted that was Ford. I was getting some of the Ant-Man vibes, the right? Bug sheet, and yeah. The bug sheep, yeah. The bug ship. Yeah, yes, it's very it much a, an Ant-Man kind of thing. It, like, it Clearly, that has to be one of the reasons why James Gunn has, like, said, okay, you may pass. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah. Well, this one, you know? one I think well, the thing that really saved this as well was, I think this one probably was already a little bit less tied into the Snyder stuff. And so then it's like it came late enough in the schedule. They're like, uh, play it very light. Play it. Very sever light. some of that and massage yeah. some of that. Do a couple of reshoots. We can make this fit into a new universe. Yeah. And uh, no, I love all that. I mean, Brandon, you and I saw it in a, almost. We were pretty much alone in the theater, and so which was good was because like every eight time, people in the theater. <laughs> but it's soon. You know, but I'm saying that was kind of good because like. And the, op- the opening titles have all these, like, newspaper things of history. So we're like, oh, my God, Ted Court. Oh, my God, Omac. Oh, my God. Yeah, like, oh, my God, Ted Court. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, oh, yeah, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was yeah. definitely nerding out on everything that, that was a reference to, to continuity. It's just, it. it's, and it's just fun. It is. It's a fun superhero movie. Um, I think both of the DC movies that came out this year, though, did a great job of making DC movies fun. And, and certainly yeah. one of the criticisms of the Snyder stuff is just how dark they are and how yeah i I really didn't like the one little bit i mean it's very quick but the whole thing with jared leto coming in and uh you know he's got all his tattoos and he i didn't like it (laughs) of course uh no no there's no folks worst cinematic joker of all time no well no because walking worst but um that's that's my. Uh, I'm not. Oh, a well, I don't. I don't. I don't count that. That's not. Uh, that's I not a superhero verse. It's Elseworld. I hated that movie. Yeah, so much. Elseworld. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I really. Yeah, I can't. I can't speak to that myself. Joker couldn't stand it. We talking about DC. We we've talked uh, almost every week. We've touched on the upcoming Superman Legacy. Uh, yeah, a I'm little excited. bit. John, what is your take on on that? I, uh, are you hopeful? Are you worried? I, I'm, you... I'm incredibly hopeful for it, mainly yeah. because I do think, and I, I think I was saying this even even before anything when they just said they were going to make a new Superman thing is like, well, I do think, uh, uh, and I know there are those Cavill fans who love him, and I also really like Henry Cavill <laughs> as the character. Like he's a great yeah. choice, but I don't understand the passion of he's the best, the only. How could you ever? I have no interest in somebody else because. Number one, he's far from the first and not the best because Christopher Reeve will never be top. You just never can't. Top. You just can't. He just was nope. Superman. But, uh, but no, I'm so hopeful for it because the thing, and, I've, and I, I have uh, friends who are big Superman fans who are really worried about James Gunn's take. But I do think James Gunn is, you know, and, and we'll see, but like is such a fan, is such, uh, you know, and I think he will match the material. I don't think he's going to make a Superman movie that feels like a Guardians movie. We've never seen him make something like that, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's incapable of it. And I'm really excited about this actor playing the part. I love that he's established but not known, particularly. Yeah. Uh, I think he looks great. I, I saw him in the HBO series We Own the City, which I thought he was really good in. Um, I'm excited about the casting. And, of course, uh, 
I'm curious about the the Justice Society members or whatever who are going to be in it or the authority. Yeah, or man, hard to even guess what he's up but, to. But also, like, a cinematic Mr. Terrific and my dreams of Nathan Fillion as a Green Lantern are coming true. God. You know, that's... I'm that, so excited for that's that. Great. I know. All, all the stuff that Gunn has referenced so but far... But if he doesn't have the bowl cut, I'm walking out of the movie. I'm <laughs> out. <laughs> he, 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 he confirmed it's going to be there. Uh, oh, yes? What? Oh, Gunn really? said, I'm not going to say the entire reason I did this was to make my friend Nathan get that haircut. <laughs> he basically is just like, well, I'm making Nathan get the haircut. Man, yeah, if right. Guy Gardner shows up with a bowl cut uh, again, he, I'm he, like, oh, James, it. James. He's like, it's like, that's the, he's like, he's like, you get to be Green Lantern, Nathan, but you're going to have that hair. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I love I, it. I am so excited. Once again, Gunn. Uh, it is. Uh, they talked about when he worked at Marvel. He was. He's like. I think I'm the only guy here who's still reading the books on a monthly basis. His <laughs> love for comic books is so clear, and I have no reason to doubt that sincerity. Um, Too bad we got stuck with Rachel great. Brosnahan as Lois and, Lane. Oh, that casting is also <laughs> incredible. Her no, look, it's perfect. I, it's, it's, perfect. It's, it's. I'm so excited to see who's well. Whether or not that I think there's going to be a Lex Luthor. I heard him on. Gunn was on Michael Rosenbaum's podcast, and Rosenbaum was asking about his take on Lex Luthor. He goes, well, who's to say Lex is in it? I'm like, I, there probably will be a Lex Luthor. He, maybe he's not the main villain, but, you know. No, I'm, I'm, I, like I said before, I, I, I kind of suspect he obviously he wants to make his own Superman movie, but he also knows it's launching something. So he doesn't want to make the same mistake they always do, yeah. including – Brian, he shall, who shall not be named singer. Even he made the same mistake, which is just going back to the same Superman versus Lex, Superman versus Lex. Well, and I think, you know, I but mean, I think- this is like what they were trying to do with Amazing Spider-Man with Norman Osborn, where they drop him in and they're going to build to him. But you just have him in the background doing stuff. I have a feeling that's what will be. And I He'll love cast of course- He'll be in the back. I love, of course, this non-origin story, but it's an early story. That was something mm-hmm. I love so much about the Matt Reeves Batman movie. Was it's like, oh, it's an established Batman, but still getting his feet yeah. under in Batman. Right. Still I mean, being if, freaked out about being very high up in a building I and mean, jumping off in a wingsuit. I really enjoyed the Grant Morrison. Uh, well, certainly uh, Grant Morrison's uh, uh, the New Fifty Two action 52. that Grant Morrison I wrote. Was really good. Like about like young like I don't know what I'm quite doing as Superman. I am Superman, but I don't. Chad, know I know that you weren't is. weren't keeping up with the new Fifty Two stuff, which is smart. Um, there, it was a big like mistake. Being there the little good things the, in there. there Swamp really Thing good. was great during New Fifty Two. Yeah, the Scott Snyder Swamp Thing is great. The Scott Snyder. But also, Batman. Grant Morrison. They said, "Do you want to start Superman over?" When they did New Fifty Two, so he did. Right you know early days with literally superman clark in a t-shirt and jeans and like he's not got the costume yet and it's his first it's him learning like oh my god how much pressure do i need to stop this train it's like him thinking on his feet and also being very much like a modern version of the original golden age superman which is a social reformer and kind of a badass where he's like going yeah, I know that the law prohibit I you'd be freed 
you know, the second I put you in jail, but I'm going to scare the crap out of you, Mr. Slumlord or whatever it is. Just like the old days where he's like going, hey, you're beating your wife. I'm going to throw you into the, the Metropolis River. And like, Boom. <laughs> like, also the, the gun is so good about. And I think especially in the interviews I've seen where he's just loosely talked about his takes on it and stuff like that is. Unlike Singer, and I actually generally like Superman Returns, and I was I know generally that was I favorite. like it too, but it just made all yeah. these big mistakes. But the the thing that but but the thing the thing I was going to say is Singer wasn't really like a comic book guy. He was in he was love a fan of Donner's movie. film. What yeah. I think Gunn has talked about is he really is looking at the whole of Superman across all of it and going, and he's we've already seen that in some of his stuff where he's just like. I'm going to borrow a little bit of this and a little bit of that and put that here. And and it's just, I just think he's so savvy about what it is. And he seems to really get what makes like a crowd pleaser of a movie. And he's also... Mr. Mixes Pitlick. Yeah, well, I think, the, <laughs> I think the other thing too, the people, the, the humor of his movies, uh, really, uh, a lot of people put so much weight on that and also miss that he is also one of the most incredibly emotional and heartfelt superhero filmmakers. Yeah, All yeah. of his movies while they have lots of snark in them, are actually incredibly sincere. And the snark almost... I cried kinda, three times during Peacemaker. Man, Peacemaker? I mean, I was crying all over uh, Guardians Volume 3 and Volume... I mean, all of his movies. Suicide Squad, even the Ratcatcher backstory got me, you know? Mm-hmm. Like that, Guy's a good writer. Yeah. And that's the thing. But he's... But he, but like, the, the, I think that's the thing is people focus on the snark because that's almost like he's like, if I act this snarky over here, then I'm going to make you cry over here and you're not going to quite be ready for this. And right. So yeah. The thing is... I think he will get the heart of Superman. And like I said, that's my main mm-hmm. thing. It's just, if you get the heart of that character and what he has described of his take on Superman, sounds exactly like what I want. And he has red trunks. Then you've got it. He's so, talking about costume wanting to be familiar, but new at the same time, which I'm like, what's, well, but it, I mean, cause there have been so many takes on it. Right. So sure. he's like, I, I want to put my own stamp on it, but also have it be totally recognizable. The stamp is in the shape of red trunks. Thank yeah. you, John, for being here. Oh, I'm going to shut you up because I'm hungry now. <laughs> it's, it's lunchtime for I, Jones. I think every podcast Brendan and I do together ends with him going, I have to go eat now. Well, it's yeah, because it's I don't yeah. eat. I mean, I had that bowl of cereal, but that was like hours ago. Yeah, I'm like, it's 4.20 yeah. now, and I haven't had lunch. So again, to, 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 to plug the, the, oh, yes. uh, the shows, right? We've yeah. got Campbell and Jones Meet the Monsters. Campbell and Jones Meet the Monsters. Ongoing. Brandon on and I Bean, that. you can find it right anywhere, can, really? Yeah, yeah it's, it's on whatever podcast you offer. We also have a Patreon where you can listen to episodes before they come out, which is cool. Uh, if you guys do love, this is the Nostalgia Podcast, right? I do a, a whole other podcast uh, that is about the 1970s Star Wars comic books. Uh, it's called May the Panel Be With You. It's here on YouTube. It's both a video podcast and an audio podcast. Which yep. Brendan himself did the cover artwork for? Brendan did, did do our cover art. Which, they, which if you're a Star Wars fan and a Superman fan, I think you'll really love it because it's the Star Wars characters recreating the first Action comics. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. yeah, Thank you. Not my idea, though. That was Gregoni. Brilliant idea. Was, but uh, my co-host Drew. Mike Gregoni came up with that idea. And of course, yeah. as soon as I told Brendan, he's like, I know exactly what that would look like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. So that comes out every week. Like I said, that's on YouTube or whatever podcasting. So it's made the panel be with you. If you love, uh, once again, the nostalgia of stuff. And it's very fun to look at Star Wars before they really know what Star Wars even is. right? And right. go ahead and give us Action Shelf as well, right? Although I do the Action Shelf, which is currently on hiatus and is kind of evolving oh. to its own thing. But all the archives are there. The Action Shelf is a show where myself and a co-host, uh, Michael Lisman, 
we uh, we were watching through all the B straight to video action movies and reviewing them. So anything you see on Netflix or in your like your bad. red box that has like uh, Steven Seagal or Bruce Willis in it now, <laughs> and you're like, who's watching that? Well, we always said that's us. We're watching that, and that's a, a new show that will be in the same realm as that, though. So, so stay tuned. John's on that. got we 85 podcasts, but we're going well, to cap we that do there. the patron shows. Brendan and I, you can if you Price if is you Right. Like, we do prices right right now about Vincent Price. We did all of the Kolchak thing. You can wow, listen to the first cool. episode. Talking with our and you, uh, if you want a taste of that over on the Meet the Monsters feed. We did put up the first taste. full episode of that for free. And then if you're interested in that, you can go to our patron page and check that out. So, and of course, there we can't go. not mention Tesla City Stories, which is how you two knew each other. Right? That's right. I'm in the cast no. of Tesla City Stories. We're and I direct it and I act in it. And uh, it is it is a recreation of Tesla Broadcasting Company radio scripts from the 1940s, live on stage. And we do have one season of podcasts uh, yep. that you can listen to also on Podbean or wherever you find it. Tesla We're in City the middle Stories. of recording the second season, so there's more Yes, coming. we are. And is the fundraiser still going on? It just ended. It just, just ended. ended. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we didn't quite get to ten thousand, um, but you can still, you can look if you see me on the street, slip me a fiver. <laughs> I think we might have a PayPal or something if you go to our website. I think I, I believe it is still open for like. Uh, if you donations. do get to ten thousand, will you finish saying the word? Will you say <laughs> yes. ten thousand? That's yeah. Brendan. Yes, that's yeah, my pledge. That's- if we get to <laughs> full ten thousand, I'll finish that word. <laughs> I wonder how it ends. I don't know. Spoiler alert. And of course, we've got the prodigious apps uh, Patreon account, which if you want to uh, help us out, um, keep these these episodes coming, you'll get, mm-hmm. you'll get early, early uh, releases of all the episodes, extended versions of the episodes. If there's something you want us stuff. to rewatch or watch for the first time and talk yeah. about, we will accept donations for that, too. You would have to pay me to watch yeah. the powers of Matthew Starr again. Oh, not me. But if you want me to, I will. No problem. I'll watch Powers Matthew Starr all day. And Mr. Merlin, followed by Mr. Mr. Merlin. Merlin. Of course. (laughs) All right. John, thanks so much, man. This has been been great. We will definitely do this again. Please. Yeah. Yeah. Many times, I expect. Sure. So thanks, y'all, for watching. We will see you next week here on Peace Apps. Bye.